Welcome to Truth on the Go with Andrea Lennon. Andrea is a wife, mom, speaker, and author based in Conway. She is an on-the-go kind of girl who loves Jesus and is passionate about helping women know the truth, live the truth, and share the truth. If you'd like to connect with Andrea and see all of her resources, including having her speak at your church, go to andrealennonministry.org. Now, here's Andrea. Hey, sweet friends, it's Andrea here. I'm so excited about today. Today is a special day for me. Today is my birthday. And let me tell you something, I am 42 years old. Let's just all take a deep breath on that one. I don't know about you, but for me, being in my 40s has been both a joy and a realization that middle age is here. And so I look in the mirror and I see the gray hairs, I see the wrinkles, and I see slowly the aging face. But I'm so thankful for the journey. I'm so thankful for God's goodness and His grace. And today, I just want to share my story with you. I think our birthdays give us an opportunity to look at our lives and to do some evaluating, to think about where we have been, where we are, and to think about where we are going. And there's such a beautiful opportunity for us in the process of evaluating our lives so that we can learn from our mistakes, so that we can course correct if necessary, so that we can have incredible focus as we move forward to live out that good, pleasing, and perfect plan that God has for us. So I come to you today, and I'm so excited that it is my birthday. And I want you to know something, sweet friends. I want you to know that it is a joy for me to be on this journey with you. I don't know if I tell you that often enough, but I was thinking about that just this morning, how God in His goodness and in His grace, He allows us to live life together. And we can serve as an encouragement to to one another. I just think that's so beautiful about the body of Christ, how we can cheer for each other, how we can cry with each other, how we can celebrate together, how we can learn together, how we can literally walk this journey together. And so as I share my story, what I want you to do is to think about your story. Think about where you have been. Think about where you are. Think about where you are going. And in the midst of that process, invite God through the work of his Holy Spirit to encourage you and to challenge you and maybe to give you a course correction as well, because here's what we need to know. We serve a redeeming God, and He has a very good plan for our lives. We do not have to stay in the struggles. We do not have to stay in the mess. We do not have to stay in those hard, tight spots that make it difficult to breathe. And as I think about my journey, 42 years now, I think about how I've had some of those hard, tight spots. I've had those spots where, you know, it was kind of hard to breathe. It was hard to know what was going on uh, in me and around me. But as I I've taken a step back here recently, and I've written a new book that's called God in the Window, which is a story of my life and my ministry and my call and just this journey up until this point as a 42-year-old woman. I'm so thankful that God is a redeeming God, that He sets our feet on solid ground and that He leads us faithfully every single step of the way. So I want to share just a few details about my story and some lessons that I've learned over the years. And I pray that this is an encouragement to you. So I was born on March 11th, 1976, 42 years ago today. And I think about my birth. I love my birth. Now, it has been a journey for me to get to this place of acceptance. But I was born on March 11th, 1976, and I was placed up for adoption. I know four facts about the day that I 
was born. These four facts were recorded on my birth certificate. I know the time, I know the place, I know the doctor, and I know that I was a single birth. Those are the four facts that I know, and those facts have given me such comfort and such joy as I think about how my life began, because I can hold on to those facts and know that I know a little bit about how my life began. Now, I want you to think about if you maybe aren't adopted, maybe you have all the details of your birth. Maybe you know who was there, and maybe you know some of the stories that took place. When you're adopted, there is a reality that you have to face, and that is the fact that there will be details of your life you may never know. And not only that, there will be details of your life that other people will know about you that you may never have the opportunity to experience and to know. And I think that that has been a journey for me to accept that and to celebrate that, because here's the lesson I have learned. Our God, my God, my faithful, loving God, He knows every single detail about my life. The things that I don't know, the things that may always be a mystery to me, my God knows those things. He knows them full well. And not only that, He was there on the day that I was born. He was directing every single detail of my life. He was blessing the plans that needed to be blessed. He was frustrating the plans that needed to be frustrated in order for me to land in the right place at the right time with the right family to live out the plans and purposes that he has for me. My parents came and picked me up when I was about five days old from the hospital. We went to the courthouse and it was official. I had a family. I had a family who loved me. I had a family who wanted me. And also I had a family that initiated the relationship with me. They came to the hospital. They took the necessary steps and they brought me into their home. And I was treated with love and respect and given the same full standing as their biological children. And so I so love that. I'm so thankful for that. Uh, We went home to live in Paris, Arkansas, and it really was an instant family for us. I have a brother who is two years older than me, and I have a sister who is seven months younger than me. Uh, She is my parents' biological child. My older brother is also adopted. And so we made our home in Paris, Arkansas, and it was a great little town for us to grow up in. It was a southern quaint town where everybody knew everyone. Everyone. We had a wonderful Christian family. We had loving parents. We had a roof over our head. We had clothes on our back. We had a ton of opportunities in front of us. And yet for me, during my early years, I experienced some feelings of loneliness and some feelings of isolation that really gave way for the enemy to just even from a young age begin to tell me some lies. Lies like maybe I didn't belong in that family. Maybe I wasn't in the right place. And so while I was so young, I didn't know how to recognize those lies. Those lies took root in my heart and they developed and and really impacted me later in life. And I'm going to tell you about that in just a few minutes. But I just need you to know that in the early years, I did experience some feelings of isolation. I experienced some feelings of loneliness and it was really hard for me. But here's what I love about God's redeeming work. He always is at work in our lives. We're never alone. He is so faithful to put us in the right places and to surround us with his people and to love us every single moment of every single day. My parents, oh, they are just wonderful Christian parents. They gave me every single opportunity. They loved me. They made sure that I had what I needed. They were just wonderful and continue to be wonderful to this day. I can't wait to tell you more about them. But let me tell you another thing that was so important in my early 
early years. And that was my local church. We went to First Baptist Church in Paris, Arkansas. And when I stepped into the doors of that little church in Paris, Arkansas, those feelings of isolation, those feelings of loneliness, those feelings of fear, they totally went away. And I knew when I was in that little church that I was in a safe place. I knew that I was literally home in every single way. So as a result of that, I loved to go to church. I was the girl, even as a young little one who wanted to go to church and was so upset whenever we had to miss church. I want to tell you a quick story that my parents told to me just a few years ago that has absolutely blessed my life. When I was three years old, they took us to church. Uh, Mom and dad got us ready. They took us to the nursery and they dropped us off in the nursery. And I began to cry. And I told my parents, I want to go to big church. I don't want to stay in the nursery. I want to be with you. I want to be in big church. And so my parents, they thought that I would certainly get over this feeling of wanting to go to big church. So they left me in the nursery. And apparently I cried the entire hour. They picked me up. They took me home. They were trying to put us down for naps that afternoon. And I continued to cry. I continued to talk about wanting to go to big church. So my mom decided that she would take me back to big church that night so that I could experience what big church was all about. And she was thinking as a three-year-old little girl, there was no way that I would want to sit still and to listen to the sermon and to not move around or to have a snack or play games. And so she thought it would be one and done. I could go to big church. I could get that out of my system. And then the next Sunday morning, I would be happy to go back to my class. So we did that. We went to big church. And my mom tells me now that when we were in that setting, when I was three years old, I sat perfectly still. I listened to the singing. I listened to the preaching. And I loved every single minute of it. And that continued throughout my early years. I wanted to be in church. I wanted to hear from the Lord. Even as a young girl, before I knew Christ, I knew somehow that there was something about this relationship with God through Jesus that was going to be transformational in my life. And so I wanted to be there. I love that about my story because I think God in his goodness and grace, and not only do I think, I know that he uses our experiences, even those difficulties, in order to bring us into alignment with his plans and his purposes for me. You see, now as a 42-year-old, I serve local churches. And so I love that even as a young little girl, God was positioning me to have a love for the local church that I could not begin to uh, stir up inside of me. God stirred that up inside of me. And so I continued to go to big church. And as I went to big church, I encountered the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. I realized that I had sin in my life. I realized that that sin separated me from Jesus. And through the process of going to big church, I asked Jesus to come into my heart and to save me from my sins. Church was a big deal to me. Church is a big deal to me. Church will always be a big deal to me, not because it's a building, but because it is the people of God and it is the place where God does incredible work to transform our lives. In just a moment, Andrea will return with a final thought. If you would like to hear more of her teachings, visit andrealennonministry.org. It is the ultimate website for the girl on the go with Bible studies, video sessions, podcasts, books, and down-to-earth blogs straight from Andrea's heart. Be sure and subscribe so that you can stay connected. Again, that's andrealennon.org. Now, let's hear a final truth from Andrea. 
So not only did I have struggles early on in my early days just because of feelings of isolation or loneliness, I also had struggles in my early days because of a pretty significant learning disability that came through the process of dyslexia. My parents realized whenever I was in kindergarten, even into my first and second grade years, that I just struggled to learn information, to process information, to read and to write. And let me just tell you another thing about God's goodness and his provision. Whenever I was placed up for adoption and there were a couple of families, at least, who were trying to adopt me, God was making sure that I ended up in the exact family that he had for me. And one thing I love about my story is that I did and continue in some ways to struggle with dyslexia, but God placed me in a family with two educators. My mom was a remedial reading teacher and my dad taught in the high school setting. And so they recognized very early in my life that I had some real struggles when it came to reading and processing information. And they were on the cutting edge of helping me. They were getting me to the right places and to the right resources, to the right people so that I could deal with my dyslexia and start to overcome it. But as a result of having that dyslexia, I think I had a lack of confidence whenever it came to reading and to writing. And as I think about my life now as a 42-year-old, I am so thankful that my God is able to overcome the difficulties and the struggles in our life. Because today, as you are aware of, I read my Bible in front of hundreds of women. I write for magazines. I write for books. I am on a radio program. And and here's what I love about that. This is what I want to just share with you so that you can have encouragement in regards to your struggles, in regards to your overwhelming situations. Nothing is impossible with our God. He gives us the opportunity to trust him. He gives us the opportunity to surrender our weaknesses to him, and he will work mighty powerful things through our weaknesses because in our weakness, he is strong. And so as I think about those early years and those struggles with dyslexia and reading and writing, I'm so thankful that that was a part of my story because now what I'm able to do today, it gives glory to God because I know that only my God, only our God, only the one true God is able to take a young girl with dyslexia who struggles to read and to write and then to position her to invest in other people for kingdom purposes through the avenue of reading and writing. But it was a long journey. I have to tell you, it was a hard journey every single summer in summer school, walking across the street to a separate building every single afternoon and going to remedial classes and trying so hard to learn my letters and to learn how to read a paragraph and understand it and then to be able to verbalize back to my teacher or in an assignment what I had learned through that particular paragraph. It required a lot of hard work and it required dedication. It required me to dig deep and to fight for freedom in that area of my life. And I even think about how often the lessons that I learned through my dyslexia have been the very lessons that God has reminded me of in the process of starting my ministry. Because ministry is hard work. Life is hard work. Marriage is hard. Parenting is hard. Relationships are hard. You know, our call, it's hard work to live those things out. So there's days when we have to go back to those lessons that we learned from early in life and know even when we feel like we're not making progress, we are. Even when we're wondering if God sees and if he knows and if he cares and if he's in the midst of us, in the midst of that season that we feel like is dark and difficult and where there's maybe, we believe, no 
hope of success. God is in the middle of that moment and he is positioning us for success. He's positioning us for victory and he's going to do something in us and through us that only, only can be done and accomplished through the work of his Holy Spirit. So in the early years, there were a lot of struggles because of the feelings of isolation, the feelings of loneliness, as well as the feelings of just inadequacy as a result of my dyslexia. My family moved to Northwest Arkansas when I was a teenager, and that was a good move for me because it really was a fresh start. Now, I didn't really like the idea that we moved because one thing I struggled with from the very beginning was I really wanted to be in control. I liked the idea of controlling my life. Even before I could realize that that was a struggle in my life, I can look back now and see how I wanted to call the shots. I wanted to stay in the safe and comfortable places. I wanted to do the things that I had the resources to be successful at. I had the experiences to be successful at. And so when we moved, God really stirred that up in me. I was able to see that, that I had that struggle to be in control because I did not want to leave Paris, Arkansas. It was safe. It was comfortable. I had carved out my place there and I knew how to be successful in that particular little town. So when we moved to Northwest Arkansas, it really was a fresh start. And I jumped into that fresh start in a way that now I'm able to look at it and I'm able to see that while I really had in my mind the idea that I was doing it the right way, I can look back now and see some traps that I fell into. When we arrived in Harrison, Arkansas, we joined First Baptist Church, and I loved that the women there, they recognized that I loved Jesus. They recognized that I had an ability to read God's Word and to share that with other people. And so they really built me up, and that was the right thing for them to do, but because of the insecurities in my heart that I had from my past and from my background, I grabbed onto that affirmation from people and I slowly let that be the thing that fueled me. Instead of God and his word and his call and his love and his grace, I was fueled by the approval of people. And that became a very long journey for me. I loved the acceptance that I got because I was known as the spiritual girl in our church as well as in our high school. I had the privilege to start a Bible study in our high school where we saw incredible growth. We saw people coming to Christ. We saw chains being broken in Jesus's name. We saw incredible things taking place. And to be honest with you, my my motive was right in some ways. I loved that people were coming to Christ. I loved that people were praying. I loved that people were being encouraged through the word. But I also loved the attention that I got as that spiritual leader of that group. And so something changed in me in that moment where I slowly started to think that I could receive approval and value and meaning from my walk with God in such a way that it really became more about me and less about him. He, my loving God, became a means to an end. He became a way where I could do good things for him and he would do good things for me. So you see that issue of control. It reared its ugly head once again in my teenage years 
years. And I had to walk through what was a very long season of getting to the end of myself so that I could recognize that my relationship with Jesus, it's not about me doing things for him, but it's rather about me abiding in him. It's about me experiencing his love, his transformation, his grace, his call on my life, not because I deserve it, not because he needs me to do anything, but because that is my home, my relationship with Jesus. That is the place where I need to gain my value and my meaning and my call. And to do that and to walk that out in a real authentic way where it truly is about him and not about me. That was a journey for me. And honestly, as I look at my life, remember what I said that I'm doing here on my birthday. I'm thinking about where I've been, where I'm at, where I need to go through writing this book, God in the Window. That has been the realization for me more than anything else is that I need to daily walk out my life with Christ, not in order to be good and not in order to do good, but rather in order to be in relationship with the one true God who loves me, who has the ability, who is the only one that has the ability to change and transform my life, to give me meaning and purpose and to set my feet on solid ground. And so that, my friends, I have to be so honest with you and say, it has been a journey to learn how to walk in the equation of grace. I walked in the equation of works for so long, and I'm just being so honest with you. I'll do this for you, God, and then I'll trust that you'll do that for me. And in the process, I put my eyes on myself and I took my eyes off of my Savior. In this portion of my life, I want to forsake that. I want to move past the equation of works, even as a believer in Jesus Christ. I want to walk in the equation of grace, and I want to know every single day that He loves me, that He has a plan for my life, and that my home is safe and secure with Him, putting my eyes on Him, walking in fellowship with Him, and trusting Him to go before me and to come behind me and to guard and to order every single step. And that I'll do that, not because by being good, I can control him, but rather because he has the incredible plans, the incredible purposes for my life. And I am safe. I am secure. I am wanted. I am valued in the context of my relationship with him. So that has been an incredible journey for me Uh, as I tell you that I really loved being that spiritual girl. I have to tell you how that set me up. It set me up for a season of my life where I just call the spiritual desert. After I got all of my affirmation from being the spiritual girl, God started to uncover my calling in my life. He started to show me that he did have a plan and he did have a purpose for me to teach women the Bible. But you see, I didn't think I could do that. The reason I didn't think I could do that was because of my dyslexia. I couldn't read, I couldn't write. So I was afraid to step into my calling because I didn't think I could do enough in order for God to use me. And so when God called me to go into ministry and to serve women through his word, I looked at myself and I said, no, not enough, not enough resources, not enough abilities, not enough experiences. So when I graduated from high school, I decided I wanted to get in the driver's seat of my life. So that meant while God was calling me to go into ministry, I was going to run from that call. I was going to run to that which made sense, that which I could produce in my life, that which would feel good to me, that which I could look at and say, that is success. So I chased the 
American dream. I chased the idea of having the perfect family, the perfect bank account, the perfect experiences, the perfect friendships, the perfect opportunities so that I would feel full and fulfilled and meaningful. And let me tell you what I learned through that process. While all of those things are good and God is gracious to provide those things, ultimately we have to find our meaning in Him. We have to find our meaning in the eternal purposes and the plans of God. And when we do that, we're positioned to live out the temporary things in a way that brings honor to Him, that is healthy, that is beautiful, that is meaningful, and that is fulfilling and rewarding. That's all the time that we have for today, but I want you to come back next week, and I'm going to continue down the journey of my story, and I'm going to tell you about the beginning of the ministry, tell you about how God used all kinds of different opportunities for me to return to Him and to to experience His love and His grace and His freedom and His forgiveness as I stepped back into the plans and the purposes that He had for me. So as we leave today, I just want you to think about your story. Think about where you've been. Think about where you are. Think about where you're going and know that God has a plan for your life. That's Andrea Lennon with Truth On The Go. Thanks so much for joining us today. You know, nothing excites Andrea more than God's Word meeting us at our greatest point of need, speaking truth into our lives and empowering us to live meaningful, productive, and God-honoring lives. We pray that today's truth helped you connect with God and His Word in a life-changing way. If you would like to book Andrea for your next speaking event or connect with her on social media, visit andrealennonministry.org. Andrea will return next week with more Truth on the Go. Truth on the Go is an outreach of True Vine Ministries, Conway, Arkansas.